This evening, I'm really excited to be sharing about calling and how the Lord wants to speak to all of us this evening. So I'm just going to pray that as I share through this particular passage from these ancient texts, our Bible, our Holy Scripture, that that God's Spirit will really highlight and speak the words that he wants to say to us tonight. So, Lord, please, God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that you are a God who chooses freely and excitedly to communicate with your children, with your world. And Lord, thank you that you came because you loved the world. And you love us this evening and you have something to say to us. So set us at peace to just relax into your presence and hear what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to read from John chapter 5. And the words will come up on the screen. But if you want to look at them in your own Bibles, feel free or read back again at home. There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool with five covered colonnades, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda. On these walkways lay a great number of the sick, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One man there had been an invalid for 38 years. That's a long time, isn't it? (laughs) To have no motion and no movement. And I want to just draw attention to the fact that Jesus starts in a specific place. It's a place called Bethesda that he's gone to. It's a place where there are sick people people who can't see properly, people who can't walk properly, people who are crippled in their everyday lives. I wonder whether you've ever been that person or whether you are today. And in Hebrew and Aramaic, some thought that this place called Beth Esther, it actually meant to them shame or disgrace. How amazing that this is exactly where Jesus went. He went to the people who needed to see something more clearly. Is that you? He went to the people who needed to walk a bit better than they were before. Those who were paralyzed, those who were blind, those who had a problem that needed solving. In this case, they were sick. And in comes Jesus. Stage right, he enters And into our lives, Jesus wants to come tonight. And listen to this, verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and realized that he'd spent a long time in that condition, he asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? I've come to your place of shame of disgrace, of brokenness. There's a problem that only Jesus can solve here. And that sort of question, that opener, is a lovely opener, isn't it? If you were the saviour of the world, wouldn't you just bowl on in and kapow, sort that thing out? 
But this is the dignity that God gives humanity. Do you want to get well? Do you want me involved in your life? In this place of shame or disgrace? But do you know, there was an, another definition for what Bethesda meant. It also meant house of mercy or house of grace. Ooh, <laughs> do you need the mercy of God to be let off the hook <laughs> from things? Do you need the grace of God, the unearned, undeserved, incredible blessings of God? I do. <laughs> Let's see these places change in our lives because Jesus Christ wants to meet us there. And he doesn't just see. He doesn't just enter in. He listens. He watches. And he listens to what we might say to him. And then he has something to say back. So let's see what it is. Verse 7. To the question, do you want to get well? He said, sir, the invalid replied. I've got no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm on my way, someone else goes in before me. He's watching. He's feeling like he's missed out. He feels overlooked. He feels like everybody else gets it. And here is he. Has that ever been you? Is that new now? But Jesus has something to say to him. And I wonder whether he wants to say this to you now. It's quite clear. Jesus told him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Just a short phrase. Get up, pick up your mat, walk. It's kind of a, he is full of authority, Jesus, isn't he? This is what he said. And immediately, the man was made well. He picked up his mat, and he began to walk. And I think this is a picture for us of what Jesus wants to do in all of our lives. Not just today, but in our everyday lives. There'll be things when we say to him, I feel left out and overlooked. He's like, I see you. <laughs> when we feel like we can't see something, he's like, I've got an intervention right now. I feel full of shame and disgrace. He says, I'm a God of complete transformation. I'll give you my mercy. I'll give you my grace. And he receives his healing. We all need healing, don't we? <laughs> and then the next part in scripture, if we move on to verse 16 in John 5, Mine was titled, The Authority of the Son. And another version just says beautifully, The Father and the Son, <laughs> working together, but authority in Jesus, power and the presence of God in Jesus. And you wait till what gets passed to you. So let's read. Now, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews began to persecute him. But Jesus answered them, to this very day, my father is at work, and I too am working. To this very day, my father is at work, and I too am working. God never goes off duty. <laughs> 
He's completely consistent with his character, whether we feel it or not. He's consistent with who he is and what he can do, whether we've seen it or not. And he's waiting at our places of shame and our places of disgrace and our places of need and brokenness to bring everything that he wants to our lives. But listen to the reply. They didn't like that very much, these people. Because of this, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Outrageous. (laughs) But Jesus replied, Truly, truly I tell you, The son can do nothing by himself unless he sees the father doing it. For whatever the father does, the son also does. The father loves the son and shows him all he does. And to your amazement, he'll show you and him, sorry, he'll show him even greater works than these. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life. So everything about God was revealed in Jesus. And you know what? Everything about Jesus can be revealed in you. God is saying, tag, you're it now. He's got no hands on this earth. But guess what? He's got yours His physical heart, the heart of Jesus, isn't on this earth. But do you know what? Through his spirit, it's in you. His feet are your feet. His eyes are your eyes. You're in. You are in. And the authority of the Son and the relationship between the Father and the Son. Remember the prayer that Jesus taught us all to pray. He says, our Father... He's joining us in to his family. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says this. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Isn't that amazing? Look at those words again. You're chosen. You're royal. You've been made holy. You're God's treasure. And you can display God now. How amazing. How amazing. And I love the fact that it said, my father's always working, so so am I. It was like he always knew what he was about, on the earth. And I think he doesn't want his children to just fumble around in the darkness, staggering and swaying everywhere. He wants us to be sure-footed and dignified, a bit like he gave that dignity back to that invalid at that place of shame and disgrace. Immediately, through his words, get up, he rose to his feet. And I wonder whether Jesus is, by his spirit, reminding us of those words, Get up now. You've been lying on the floor too long. It's time to rise and take your stand and get moving again. 
God is always working. God is always doing something. He's often saying something as well. We're just too bustly and busy and full of everyone else's opinions to hear it. But God is doing something. And the question is, how can we join in? What is God doing right now in this moment? And how can we join in? That was a specific place, wasn't it? Bethesda. That was the place Jesus went to. I wonder for you, is there a specific place that God wants you to be like Jesus in, to carry the heart of Jesus to, maybe to bring the phrases and the messages of Jesus into? Maybe there's a specific person, even tonight, that just might drop into your mind that you think, oh, I feel like I want to get alongside them. Maybe it's a leader and you want to kind of cheer them on a bit. Maybe it's someone in your family that you feel you want to pray for a bit more or just share Jesus with. Perhaps that is where you're being called. Calling is a funny word, isn't it? But it kind of means where are you being guided to and nudged towards. And it doesn't have to be, you know, Peru or (laughs) China. Maybe it's just your family and your home. And perhaps some of the questions might be, how does God want to reveal his character in your home, in your family, in your job? What's God's heart towards that particular person that's slightly getting on your nerves? (laughs) Maybe God wants to show you something about them so that you see them through his eyes. And it's quite interesting, isn't it, when we start thinking, where am I called to? He does give us guidance. Jesus' spirit is a spirit of truth that will guide us into truth. And truth is really what's real and true. We want to walk in that, don't we? We want to walk in reality, in this real life, but with the presence of God. Tim talked uh, the other week, didn't he, about a with God life. What does that look like in our everyday life to listen and be guided by God's spirit? I'll give you a couple of examples from my own, and some of them are a bit strange, so bear with me. But um, one of the times I was going to share with somebody, and um, just talking, I was chatting in a village hall, it was really random, and I saw a lady um, there, and I didn't know her at all, and this whole group that was there, I didn't know them either. And all the way down in the drive, I kept thinking in the car, Arthur's Farm, Arthur's Forest, what weird phrases really quite strange. And so I just sort of said in this random village hall in the middle of nowhere, does the phrase Arthur's farm, Arthur's forest mean anything to anyone? And this lady went like that really loudly and then just burst into tears. And I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) And then she said, my husband's called Arthur and he won't come tonight because it was lots of lots of Christians together, getting the God Squad together in a village hall, and he wouldn't come. And he said to her, I don't feel like God knows me. He doesn't know my situation. He's not real. He doesn't know me at all. They'd literally had that conversation that evening. And he works at a place, it transpired, that wasn't actually his own farm, but everyone in the village called the farm he worked Arthur's farm and every day he walked his dog in a forest next to the farm and everyone called that forest Arthur's forest 
So what we have here, ladies and gentlemen, is <laughs> a God who communicates how much he knows us, how much he cares about the things we're upset and worried about, the places we feel we're lying down and crippled. And that lady said to me, I felt really like on the ground about that. She literally used those words as if she was that invalid. She said, I've been praying for my husband for decades and he always comes back with God doesn't know me. God doesn't care about me. And she went, I'm going to go home and tell him that he snitched on him <laughs> and play him the recording where you said, Arthur's Farm, Arthur's Forest, which was just a short phrase. Now, I've only got to that stage in my life of being confident enough to share phrases that I feel God gives to me because I've had a lot of practice. I've got a lot of things wrong. I could tell you hundreds of stories where I've had phrases and gone up to people and said, does this mean anything to you? And they go, no. <laughs> but then in my journal, I started to write down the times where I've shared things and then I text them and go, did that mean anything? And then they say, yes. Not because I'm brilliant, but it shows that God knows them. That's the whole point of it, isn't it? It's called a word of knowledge. So God is knowing something about his world and the people he loves. And he knows they need to hear it. So that lady needed to hear that, didn't she? Just for her own sake, really. And not for mine, although I have to say, when we start sharing things that um, show what God knows about people and what he wants to share about his heart, it really does give you a bit of an ego boost, I've got to say. You feel great that you've actually heard something. You think, wow, that's amazing. God could use me. And honestly, if God can use me, he can use you too. We're practicing Christians. So we've got to practice, haven't we, and see and get feedback about what God wants to share with us. And you know, um, there's three ways that I use to kind of just test whether it is the Lord speaking one is that um, it sounds like God's heart. So I've um, been reading my Bible. I'll hold my hands up and say I was brought up in a Christian home. And so my parents read me all the stories, particularly the Old Testament stories, when I was going to sleep. And I started to just get familiar with what God was like. And then later in life, I got a bit more familiar with what Jesus was like and started to have a talking, communicating relationship with him myself. And the longer I talked with him, read about him in history and how he interacted with people, the better I felt like I could recognize the sound of his voice. I said earlier in the Q&A panel, if you crack your phone screen, but someone familiar to you phones, even if you can't see your screen, when you answer the call, you know who it is by the sound of their voice, don't you? You know whether they would be likely to say the things that the person's saying on the phone. You understand that it's them. And I think that's the same with God. We have a relationship with Jesus where we get to know him and we're familiar with him, what he sounds like, the kind of thing he'd say. And um, we feel then um, that doesn't feel quite right. That doesn't sound like what God would be like if, if we hear something that's just a bit human or a bit our own opinion. The other thing I, I run the filter through, if you like, these are my three tests, is scripture. So God's word is eternal. It's, it says in the Bible, it's as sharp as a sword and it cuts through things in our lives, our own emotions even. It gets right to the heart of things. And so we're reading in scripture and looking up and having a sense of does this match with the God that I'm reading about? 
And are there verses that seem to back that up and reflect exactly that? So the sound is like God's heart and the scripture is God's word, what he's written down as well and his character through the Bible. Then I've written saints, which sounds, um, you know, a bit holy, but that's you lot. (laughs) That's us lot. We are the family of God and God calls us saints. And so there's Um, wise people, I would say, who have faith in God, who also have a sense of agreement in what we're feeling. So I would say particularly do those three if it's a big decision or it's something emotional um, that would affect other people and have a consequence on other people, matters of the heart and things like that. So those are the way I test what God would want to say. Here's another example from my own life. A um, couple of years ago, unfortunately, it coordinated with the time that Andrew arrived. I felt like God was saying, move to Bristol. <laughs> and I had to go and tell him, no offence, mate, but <laughs> I feel like I'm meant to move to Bristol. Now, the way I got to that place, I felt like he said, move back to Cheltenham now. Obviously, hello, I'm back. <laughs> but the way I got there was I kept feeling just really drawn to the city of Bristol and um, kept asking God, is that you? Is that you? And I was reading in my own Bible and I got to Jeremiah 29 and it said, go to the city I'm sending you to. And when you get there, build, plant, settle, increase, bless the city, marry, have children. So I kind of thought it was all going to come with Bristol. And uh, those of you who know me know quite a lot of that verse has come true. (laughs) ever since I did that move to Bristol. But I didn't just take it on that one verse and my own sense of go to Bristol. I I then went to a conference in Harrogate. And um, the speaker, the first talk of that conference, the first Bible passage he read was that exact passage, (laughs) go to the city. And I opened it my journal had fallen open on the page I put, should I move to Bristol? And I had it open, should I move to Bristol? And then this guy stands on the stage and his fir- almost his first words were, go to the city, as he starts reading the, the scripture. And I was like, whoa. And then I asked a couple of people, do you think that's right? They were like, yeah, I agree. And off I trotted. There I went. And I felt like I knew what I was going to do there. And to cut a long story short, I did actually, although I met my husband first walking through this door, Great place to meet people, by the way, Chet. (laughs) He came to Bristol to something I was doing, and that's when we actually connected, and I cheekily asked, do you want to go for coffee? (laughs) On the Facebook Messenger. (laughs) I highly recommend. (laughs) Um, But you see... um, you know, sometimes we clamour around all over the place. Sorry, there's very deep relationship teaching there. No? <laughs> Find some wisdom of saints, remember, <laughs> to help you. But um, I felt like um, there's a verse in Proverbs that just says, without prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. So without hearing what God wants to say, we do start going all over the place, don't we? And don't we want to live lives where we feel we're on track with God? We know how God's guiding us, and he wants to be involved in our lives. It's the whole point. Our God didn't just stay, you know, ooh, mysterious God in the universe. He said, I'm going to send Jesus to the world because I love it so much. I want to know what you look like. I want to walk around you. I want to save you, redeem you, heal you, speak to you, speak with you. And that's what our God does, and he still does that by the power of his spirit. 
So why don't we ask him some questions this evening based on that passage? I see Jesus there coming to a specific place and a specific person. Why don't we just ask the Lord, is there a specific place and person you're putting on my heart to share and be light to, (laughs) be the light of Jesus to? God, just show us. We ask that you direct us. In a place, is there a solution to a problem that Jesus could bring? What solution could Jesus bring? Knowing his character, knowing what you've heard about him so far, what could God do in a specific situation that you're up against at the moment? Just think, what kind of things did Jesus do? What kind of things can God do that you've seen or heard about? What aspect of God is available for me to bring? Remember, I said, by the power of his spirit in you, tag, you're it now. (laughs) You bring aspects of the character and nature of God into a situation. Jesus is a healer. Who do you want to pray for healing for? Jesus restores. How can you pray for a restoration? Jesus speaks. Does he want to speak through you? What solution and what aspects of God can you bring because of Jesus? Here's another question. Try not to think about your life in terms of job titles or um, things like that. Try to think about your life in terms of the role that you have on this earth. If you had no no job at all, what role would you bring to your friends, to your family? Who are you bringing that reflects like Jesus into the room when you walk into the room? Sometimes I've met people and I think, oh, they're like a nurse. They really care for people. They're not a a nurse in real life. They act like a nurse. Sometimes I've seen people and they're like teachers because they've got such wisdom to translate and pass on to me, but they're not a teacher as a job. Does that make sense? Sometimes they're a networker or a person who joins the dots, but their job is not networker. (laughs) But that's what they do. Sometimes I've met people and they're like a community builder because they just bring everyone into their homes. But that's not their job. So I want to encourage you, ask yourself and ask the Lord the question, what role do I have that God's given me on this planet? Because there's a reason you're here. And you bring Jesus in. You bring his presence in. Finally, it was a short phrase that Jesus spoke to that man. And God's words really shape the world, don't they? They form things, change things, transform things. What are his words that he wants to say to you tonight? Or have you pass on to other people? Try not to think of a massive, long, waffly sentence. Think, is there a phrase that God wants to share with me. And we'll have a bit of time later to go over that. But yeah, Lord, I really pray that you would speak. You'd give us some phrases, some words, some messages that can change us and shape our world. And Lord, thank you that your spirit is one of truth, that you will guide us into all truth, into what's true and real. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. I just feel to kind of close with this encouraging short phrase from Jesus that he says in John 10, verse 27. He says this to us, because we are the sheep that he's talking about. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So if you're sitting here this evening going, I can't hear God. I don't know what he's saying. Listen to these words from Jesus himself saying, my sheep can hear my voice because he knows you. He knows you really, really well. And, you know, he might give you words of knowledge. He might show how much he knows you at some point in your life. He might send someone else to explain something to you or share a message or a phrase from him that would just really help you in your life. The gifts of his spirit that Paul talks about are discerning, discernment. And this is a gift. Remember that we're in the place of mercy and we're in the place of grace, aren't we? And so there's gifts from God, freely given. And one of them is to discern. And that is a gift from God's Holy Spirit where we would feel and know what he wants, what he would warn us about. And so I'm just going to pray right now that God's spirit will give us some of these gifts. So even as, I know this is sort of messy end as they say, but why don't you now, just where you are, just open up your hands now. And I'm going to read out some of these gifts that God wants to give. And I'm going to pray they come into us as a gift into our hands. You know, when we're receiving a gift, we put our hands out, don't we? It's a kind of posture of acceptance and saying, I want to receive. So yeah, a gift of discernment. Would anyone like that? To be able to know right from wrong, a good idea from a God idea. Holy Spirit, would you come? Give us a gift of being able to discern what is your way. Come, Holy Spirit. Guide us into all truth. Another gift from God's Spirit is to receive words of knowledge. Like I shared with you earlier about how I got that funny old phrase for that lady with a husband called Arthur. God wants to show you things about your life and the lives of others that he knows because he loves his world. God, give us a gift of knowledge, supernatural knowledge. Knowledge that we didn't know already. Just receive that gift. You don't know when you're going to use it or need it. Prophecy. In the Bible, Paul says, I wish all would prophesy. And that's sharing a message from God, really, speaking for God. And again, Lord, we ask, this is a gift. Please, could we have it? Please speak to us. Please speak through us. Give us that gift. There's a lovely two gifts that God gives that work together. And I think they reveal the heart of God and the heart of a father who wants us to understand each other. One gift is tongues, which is either heavenly language or an earthly language, but it's a language we haven't yet learnt. But again, it comes as a gift. 
And I've personally found the gift of tongues probably one of the most helpful gifts to hear what God wants to say. So if I'm in my home and I'm feeling a bit like, oh, the atmosphere feels a bit funny or someone's coming and I'm getting in a panic and I don't know what to say. Do you know, I walk around my home. My husband will tell you I actually do do this. (laughs) Praying in tongues. And then sometimes, after I've had a couple of phrases in tongues, I feel like I've got a message that needs to come and be prayed over our house and sometimes needs to be passed on to the person that's about to walk through the door. So I'm just going to pray that God releases the gift of tongues because with that tongues gift comes interpreting. And this is where I was saying it reveals the heart of a father who wants us to understand each other. And he forces us to work together because one person might get the tongue and one person might get the interpretation. And that's a really amazing thing. It's not always just on us as an individual. So God, I pray that you would release right now the gift of tongues so that we understand your heavenly messages and we can pass them on, that it would be something that's stirred up in us and useful for us, and that we would either know what that means or you would send somebody to us to interpret what you're saying, God. Thank you that you're a supernatural God. And so, Spirit of God, come upon us with your spirit, with your gifts, and just seal these in these ones that we see in your Bible that help us hear you and communicate with you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I just want to reread some phrases from John 5. Jesus came to the place called Bethesda, the place that was shame, the place that was disgrace. And he says... Do you want to get well? There's an option for all of us to respond to because it can become mercy and grace. If we feel we've missed out or we're watching on or we feel overlooked, we'll think everyone else gets there. Jesus wants to speak to us tonight. He says, get up. (laughs) Get up anyway. Pick up your mat." and walk. And I think those are words for us to get back on our feet, to not stay lying down and crippled. And maybe they're things to pass on to others. And we just say as a prayer, God, where you have written in your word to this very day, my father's at work and you're working. Lord, Show us what you're doing and how we can join in. In the name of Jesus. And thank you that you give us authority, your power and your presence. And so come with that now that we would know wherever we go, wherever we walk, whoever we bump into every day, we carry your presence and your spirit, God. Thank you, Lord.